Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you enjoy it. It seems like a bit of a cruel trick this morning that I'm up here. Um, most of you know, oh, I'm Gerang, by the way. I'm uh, a local teacher in one of the, the schools in Hampton. And um, yeah, sometimes they drag me in off the street to preach. Um, last, yesterday evening, after Gillian's party, I went home and speed watched the Welsh match, which then became increasingly more depressing as the match went on. Um, you know what I mean, Jamie? Neil, is Neil here this morning? No, he's not. Okay. Um, but uh, yes, it was, it, was, it was telling that when you went down to 13 men, we managed to score two tries. I think uh, the, the playing field couldn't have been uh, more uneven. Um, I think they might have put a bit of a tilt on it or something, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who's your best friend? I've asked kids at school, who's your best friend and why are they your best friend? Um, so, one of the most popular answers is, uh, these are my best friend because they make me laugh, yes? And uh, just, it's a most common thing. It's lovely to be around people who make you laugh and feel good. Sometimes they're laughing during a lesson, but you know, let's, let's not go down that route. Uh, the next one was, um, she's amazing at TikTok. Now, any of you who, who, um, who knows anything about TikTok, it's this, this kind of little, dancing that people do, um, uh, and then they post it online. Uh, yeah, so that was one of the reasons amazing at TikTok is very distracting when people are doing that when you're trying to teach Pythagoras. Um, next one, uh, we both support Chelsea, so they have common interests. Uh, and um, if Lois is here this morning, any Chelsea, any Liverpool supporters here this morning? Yeah, I gave them a slap. All right, so it's just okay. Um, next, I can trust her with my secrets. I was like, yeah, okay, that's good. That's good. You found somebody who you know is trustworthy. That's a really good quality of a friendship. Um, <laughs> this next one, I wasn't, I wasn't so happy with that one. But it's a bit giving, isn't it? It's a bit giving. Um, and then finally, she doesn't judge. Somebody who just accepts me as I am. Doesn't judge me. And I know where I am with that person. The thing that I wanted them to say was, they're honest with me. Because I've got... <laughs> I've got an awesome friend. She's two rows back. Oh. And she. And she tells me when I'm stepping out of line. and where I could do things better. And that is worth it, the world, to be. She's wonderful in lots of other ways, but that's something that I really, really appreciate in my wife.
how does that relate to what we're looking at this morning? Well, I think James is like that. I think James is the sort of person who just tells it to you as it is. He's direct. I lived in Manchester for five, five years? Five years. And they're very more direct up there. They tell you what they think. Say it as it is. I kind of hear James with a Manchester accent. I can't do a Manchester accent, so I'm not going to try. They say what needs to be said. It's tough to hear, but sometimes it's really, really good for you, and it moves you on from here to here. So let's have a look at some of the highlights so far from what we've been hearing about James. Get rid of all moral filth. It'll kill you. I've, I've paraphrased these, by the way, okay. Don't just know the truth. Live by it. Don't just hear it. Work it out in your life. Control your tongue. It shows what is in your heart, echoing the words of Jesus. Okay, if you're speaking filth, and if you're speaking stuff that isn't kind, then that is what's in your heart. Don't have favorites. Everyone has equal worth. Whoa. That was a challenging sermon when... Um, no, Shirley, Shirley spoke that, yeah. And you will be judged without mercy if you have not shown mercy. Reflect God's heart. Our merciful God, let's reflect that back to those around us. Tough, direct, true, needed. But I want us to hear it with a friendly voice. Let's have a look at what uh, James says in chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. The words are going to come up on the screen, um, but please feel free to follow in the, uh, the uh, church Bibles. Uh, it's the same version, NIV. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what, you're, what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You don't have, because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you've asked with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with, against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world 
becomes an enemy of God? Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Are you thriving or striving? Are you, uh, sorry, are you striving or thriving? I think it's good for us to work out who James is. By all accounts, by, most of the commentaries say that James was the brother, of John, uh, the brother of Jesus, not the other James, the brother of John. And uh, I think sometimes that that's a tough gig, to be the brother of somebody so awesome. Sometimes you see kids at school, their older brother or older sister is just the model student. And then you've got somebody coming along afterwards who has their own qualities and their own attributes but they're judged against the older brother. And it's horrible. Sometimes you see them, they get angry. Sometimes they just get frustrated. Sometimes they just get so demoralized. And I sometimes think we can, we can sterilize these characters in the Bible and not think of them as real people who have, have their own struggles. I think... James's experience of living under the shadow of Jesus was a tough burden to bear. I think he knew what kind of negative uh, emotions that dug up. I think he knew the damage that that did in his life. Not saying that there weren't amazing positives as well, but there is that tension that he struggled with, I'm imagining. But he also lived a long life, and he had the confidence then to speak it out and say, don't fall into some of the traps that I've fallen into in my life. I think experience gives James's words incredible power. So are you striving or are you thriving? Are you constantly a person who's grasping for more? A better job, more money, more power, more self-worth, more respect, more prestige, more, more, more. It's the culture that we live in in the world. 
That is what the world tells us. We are bombarded by stuff imagery. This is what you're supposed to be like. This is what you're supposed to have. Don't be satisfied with your lives. What will you do to get there? James talks about killing, fighting, arguing. Killing and fighting, eh, maybe not. Arguing, yeah, I think that's pretty much a thing of our everyday lives. Throwing your toys out of the pram when you don't get your own way. Yeah, that's something that's pretty much part of our everyday lives. False concern from somebody at work. Have you seen, uh, I was going to say Julie, but I'm, uh, have you seen Julie? She's looking really tired, isn't she? I think she's taking on a bit too much because I want what she's got. Withholding support. Not sharing the Lord. not reminding somebody about a deadline that's coming up that you know that you're going to hit, but that person might not hit. And that's going to make you look good. Even when you see somebody struggling and needing an extra helping hand, you don't give the help, because really, they deserve everything they're going to get, because they have done you wrong at some point down the line. Um, there's, a, there's a singer called Martin Joseph, and he uh, wrote this song. It's called He Never Said. It's about what Jesus said and what he didn't say. He never said, God helps those who help themselves. He never said, Blessed are the rich. He never said, do unto others like they do it unto you, before they do it unto you. He never said, it's too bad, buddy, because the winner's going to take it all. He never said, success is the key. You've got to be cruel to be kind. And he never said, it's a jungle out there where the weak just get left behind. And yet that's the culture that we live in. Not all the time, but it's there. It's that background noise that we have to fight against to say, actually, no, 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 that is not the Jesus way. That is not the Jesus way. The Jesus way is one of love, of joy, of peace, shalom, holistic peace, of kindness, hashtag me too. Isn't it strange that people are actually talking about kindness now in society because we've gone so far and the media have gone so far away from 
being kind. Goodness. Thinking on things that are wholesome and right rather than filling your, our minds with absolute nonsense. Faithfulness, being there for one another. Gentleness. Being kind and considerate and not taking an opportunity just to... <clears throat> just stopping and thinking before we do something. And then my least favorite, self-control. The one that I think we all struggle with. Because Martin goes on to say, or sing, and so the strangers cry for help. Love your brother as you've loved yourself. You only have to seek and you will find. Forgive your enemies, drop that grudge. Don't judge us and you won't be judged. Only knock and the door will open wide. Open wide. There's a better way of us living and treating one another. It's a high standard. It's a beautiful standard. It's a standard that lifts in us the if only. If only I'd not done that. If only I didn't think that. If only I'd been more like this. If only I had not said what I've said. And in the middle of this tough passage, James gives us a beautiful picture of God's grace. But God gives us more grace. More grace to cover everything. And the pictures that were, were, were delivered in the service, in the worship at the start of rivers. They didn't know I was going to be talking about this. Can you run the VT? Do you hear a sinner... Saved by grace. I grew up in a church where the emphasis was on sinner. Perhaps we've swung in a different direction now and we hear a sinner. Saved by grace. And I think that's something that we can fall into as well. I think there's a middle ground because it plays down the fact that we have been bought at a price. I think we need to acknowledge 
we are sinners. But we have been saved by God's amazing grace. There are things that we have done wrong that have nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. But his grace covers it all. So what is James's response to this? What is his antidote? He says, submit. That's not give in. If you were a WWF wrestling fan, and I would imagine that probably the majority of you in the room might not, but when somebody is in a headlock and they are being wrestled to the ground, don't. They slap on the, the, the canvas and they shout, submit. And then the person then is released and a point has been scored. Talking about that kind of beating into submission and giving up. It's about resting in God's goodness and accepting his authority over our life because, trust me, we don't know better than him. And then trusting God to take us forward in our lives. There is a great description of sin um, who, um, that St. Ignatius of Eleola has actually, uh, actually wrote back in his, uh, his time. And it was it's saying sin is not trusting God enough and, trust, uh, and trusting that you know better. That's a really good definition of sin. That sometimes we just want to do it our way. And that God's way, eh, it's a bit outdated, isn't it? So what's the nitty-gritty of how we can actually live more in tune with God? James says, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Resist those temptations that are taking you down the wrong path. Resist so that you don't live a life that is not in tune with God's heart posture. Be accountable to somebody. Talk to somebody and say, look, I'm really struggling with this. I need some help. Build barriers around yourself so that you can protect yourself from things that you know that you can fall into. Know your triggers. When life pushes you down a certain path and you know that when you're stressed, you end up doing that, know when 
you're more likely to do something that you know is not in God's heart posture. And treat sin seriously. James talks about mourning and weeping and turning your laughter into tears. Now, he's not talking about that being your constant state. But there are times where we need to stop and mourn and reflect on where we're at in life and where we need to be. And then embrace God's grace and move on and reconnect with God in a deeper way. And there's a promise at the end. The promise is that if you humble yourself, if you submit to God, then he will lift you up. He will lift you up from the dark depths of whatever is trapping you. He will lift you up and say, you are my son. You are no longer a slave to fear. Live in my path because it's a good path and it will help you and it will sustain you and it will empower you. It's not great being in the pit. But when you submit, when you say, okay, yes, I accept your grace, God. But I also accept that I'm going to live your way now. Life then starts being transformed. Life starts then becoming thriving and not just striving or surviving. I think as I've written this, and I've been very much aware that as I'm writing it, it could come across as I'm pointing, and I am very much aware that there are three fingers pointing back at me when I'm, you know, if it's come across like that, I am sorry. But as you come to the table this morning, I think some of us need to have some prayer as well need to think about where we're at in receiving God's grace and living that out. And there are going to be people at the, the sofas. If that's you, if you want to have prayer and you know that you need support, come and get some prayer. And remember, God's grace as you're taking communion this morning. The grace that washes you clean, but was paid for at a great price. Thank you. For more information about St. Saviour's, 
please visit www.stsaviorsummary.org.uk.